Good day to you, Glenrish family. We are back again for another Sunday, and I really trust that you are doing well. Again, we continue to pray for you as an eldership team. We continue to lift you up in prayer and are trusting God for all that He had planned for you in 2020 to come to come to pass. And uh, please remember, this is somebody said to me, 2020 is a gap year. It's not a gap year; it's a God year. And let's trust God for Him to continue to move and to do exactly what He wants to do in this year of 2020. And I also just say, I'm going to get into the book of Acts now. Um, but two things before I do that. Firstly, Robert and Tuli and Zamo and Tuli are friends of Glenridge and many of you will know them. Um, we've asked Rob to, to put a preach together for next weekend. So uh, he's, he's going to be preaching on the screen next weekend. I really look forward to that. Um, he's, not, he's not going to be preaching on One New Humanity I don't think, I don't know what he's going to be preaching on. Uh, I've just said to him, preach to Glenridge what you feel in God Glenridge needs. So he is, a, I really do believe he's an apostolic gift to the church. And uh, we are drawing on that gift, his apostolicity, the, the thing that is on his life to, to pull something in and to impart something to us as an Ephesians 4 gift. So uh, looking forward to that next weekend. The second thing I wanted to say is this is that we're in a moment of acceleration. Um, I think when we're in a tough place like this, somebody said, um, God's going to take the chaos and make it a moment of convergence. And we really are in a moment of convergence. And whenever there's a convergence, there's a, there's a, there's a, a narrowing which increases the speed, which increases the acceleration of the flow of the, of the, the fluid or whatever's in the, in the, in the vessel. And we're in a moment of acceleration. And so what, what normally would take three years is going to take three months. And what was going to, it's just this, it's, it's this kind of, uh, it, things are heightened. So what would take three years to come to the surface is going to take three months to come to the surface in our hearts. And so there's this moment of acceleration that we're in prophetically as the church. And I feel like God is doing and using this moment to accelerate the church. And we often ask God for the suddenlies. We want to, God, we, we pray, God, there's a suddenly in God. You know what a suddenly in God looks like? It looks like COVID-19. A suddenly is where God just orchestrates things that gets orchestrated. And God uses those moments to accelerate us into the purposes of God. And so actually the year of 2020 is an acceleration year, not a year of chaos. It's not a gap year. It's a year that God is profoundly, profoundly using um, the circumstances to propel his purposes into fruition, which I think is very exciting for us. So let's not lose sight of that. Let's not lose sight of what God's doing in these days. I know it's tough. It is people are tired. As I've said before, people are, there's this kind of inner tiredness. But friends, we've got to trust God for what he wants to do with us. But let's have a look at Acts chapter 4. We've been in the book of Acts. I've absolutely loved studying the scriptures I get such, um, for me, my refreshing place is to get into the scriptures and ask God to show me what he's saying through the scriptures prophetically, devotionally, as well as expositionally. So, so I absolutely love, that's where, I, that's where I get strength from. And I would encourage you, if you've never been that way before, is get into the scriptures and ask God to encourage you through them, to meet Jesus in the scriptures, because I believe, that, I believe it really does give us strength. But we've been in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 is Jesus is, rises from the dead and he preaches the, God, preaches the kingdom of God to his disciples for 40, 40 days. 
He then tells them to go and wait in Jerusalem. He ascends. He, there's this ascension. Uh, it's Acts chapter 2. They're waiting in, the, in, the, in, in Jerusalem for 40 days. The Spirit of God comes on them. It's a Pentecost moment. Peter has to get up and explain to the people uh, what's happening in Pentecost, and that's a moment for the gospel to come through. And so Peter stands up amongst the brothers, and just there's this incredible standing up of leadership, a new breed leadership, that he begins to, he begins to preach. Acts chapter 3, these people that have had the Spirit of God come on them. This is what we did the last couple of weeks. Spirit of God come them, man sitting at the gate, beautiful. They, know, they don't walk past him like they would normally do. This time they see him and they say, stand up and walk. And he runs into the, into the temple worshiping and praising God. Peter then, the people, whenever there's a power, a display of power draws a crowd and the gospel gets preached. And Peter, Peter preaches this cracker gospel in Acts chapter 3. Have a look at it. Read it and ask God to teach you to keep, preach the gospel like that. And he preaches the gospel and, uh, and people get saved. Acts chapter 4, which is what we preached on last week, is now Peter and John, because of this, they're preaching what the, the religious community at the time, the, the, the Sadducees and the temple didn't enjoy. They're speaking about the resurrection. Their theology didn't like that. So they call them over the coals and they persecute them and they tell them they mustn't do that. And Peter stands up full of the Holy Spirit. And his courage, his courage and his conviction of his preach amazes and astonishes them. And they think, cheap as this guy's an ordinary guy. Um, and we know that he's, a, that he's a disciple of Jesus, and he's saying it's all by the name of Jesus, so it must be true. And more than that, they can't argue because they can see the healed man that was healed for, since birth, and he was 40 years old. So that's Acts chapter 4. Um, he then uh, goes back to the people. They release him and say, don't speak about Jesus. He goes back to his people, and they have a prayer meeting, a prayer meeting of all prayer meetings, where, God, where, they, where they speak to God as creator God, and they speak to God as, as the God that laughs at the nations, at his enemies, and says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations of the, as, of, um, as your inheritance. Yeah, they, they speak to God who they say, by his power and will decided that things should happen. So they acknowledge God as the God of history and the God of providence. And off the base of that, they pray these three amazing prayers. They say, consider, they say, consider um, the persecution, consider the threats of the people. It's like, God, you know about the threats of the people, but that's not the, that's not the thrust of their prayer. It's because they just give it a glance, a kind of, a, a, a just glance at it. That's just cursory glance. Actually, what they do say is they say, God, please, will you enable us to speak your word of God boldly? And more than that, they say, Lord, will you stretch out your hand to peel and perform signs and wonders in the name of Jesus? And as they're praying this prayer, this group of people, under the threat of the, the authorities, it says the, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? They spoke the word of God boldly, exactly what they preached. Now we get to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now I want to read from 4, verse 32 down to 5, verse 4. And uh, we'll have a look at what I believe God is saying to us through this section of Scripture. So Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. Remember, the Spirit of God has just fallen on them. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. I love that. I'm going to talk to, this is what I'm going to talk about today. Much grace was upon them all. I want to look at some of the graces that we need to have today when the Spirit of God is burgeoning Himself on us, wants to pour. What are some of the graces that we need to have on our lives in this day? 
There were, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as they had need. This is radical generosity. We see when the Spirit of God pours out on a community of people, it releases radical, radical generosity. And when I say generosity, generosity where you sell a house or you sell a piece of land and you, lay it, you give it to the church so that it can be distributed towards the needs of the people. We often want the Spirit of God to fall on us. Are we ready for the Spirit of God to fall on us and for us to be radically, almost irresponsibly generous? Because I believe God's taking the church there. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This was one of the guys. They tell this story now to contrast it with the next portion that I'm going to talk to you about, which some of you who have who've been walking with Jesus will know straight away what I'm saying. So there's this guy Barnabas, who, who the, uh, this guy Joseph, who the apostles called Barnabas, and he sold a field that he owned and brought it at the apostles' feet. Chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge... Remember, that's important. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it? God, God, Peter gets a word of knowledge. Um, Peter says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You, you have not lied to me. You have lied to God. And then it carries on. The story carries on. And in that chapter, verse 5, let me read this. And when, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Yes, he died for giving a whole lot of money away. It seems quite strange. And great fear seized, seized all the people who heard what, that, what had happened. Then the young men came forward and wrapped him, his body up and carried him out and buried him. And a little while later, they go to Sapphira, his wife, and they say, did you know about this? Did you know that actually the, she says, yes, it was. The amount that we gave you was what we sold it for. And, and Peter says, no, it's not true. And she also dies. And in verse, fear, verse, verse 11 of chapter 5, it says, and great fear seized the whole church. And all who heard about these events. So, so what happens is, is this, this, they're giving land and property away. Ananias and Pharaoh, they, they sell the land, but they don't give everything that they sell it for. They keep some back. And, and, and there's this, this whole thing that ensues where Peter says, hey, listen, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. What's happening? You've, the, you've allowed Satan into your heart. And we're going to get to what that means now. So, so but what, what, what this group of people have, friends is the Spirit of God has fallen on them. It says they spoke the Word of God bad, uh, boldly, and with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord. So remember they asked for boldness and they asked for power. That's what they got. That's what they got. They got boldness and they got power. And it says they spoke about the resurrection of Jesus. They ignored the other guys completely, the, the, San, the, 
the, the temple and the Sadducees, they ignored them completely. They very much spoke about the resurrection of the Lord and much grace was upon them. Much favor was upon them. There was like a, there was an endowment of God upon this group of people. My question for us is what are some of the graces that God wants to give us in today? Because I believe as the Spirit of God starts to move in His church, there's a grace on us in this moment of acceleration to minister and to do some credible things. Some of the things that I have are, are just things that I, I feel in God. In the prayer meeting this morning we had, we had a prayer meeting and some of these things actually came from that prayer meeting, some of these points. But these are some of the graces, I believe, and some of them are from the text which we're reading now. But the first one is this, and this is, not a, this is not a grace that is from the text. This is a grace from what I believe God said to, said to me in preparation for this time. God said to me, you've got to get a second wind. Now, a second wind is, is that moment when you're in a sports game or when you're in a race or in a run where you feel like you're going to give up, but something happens and you get a second wind which enables you to go forward. And if you've you played any form of sport, you will know what I'm talking about. But actually, we've got to find by faith a second wind in God. It's been four months of lockdown, and friends, there's probably another three or four ahead of us of, of difficult times, but we've got to have a second wind for that time. And this is what I found where I googled what second wind was, and, and this is what it said in one of the, the things. It says, when your second wind kicks in, which takes roughly 10 to 15 minutes to happen after you've started running. It's because your body has stopped focusing on expelling excess carbon dioxide and started taking in more oxygen. Can I just say to us, this is the time. If we want a second win, we've got to stop focusing on what's coming out and start taking in more oxygen, start taking in more breath, start taking in more of God. It's not about putting out, it's about taking in at this time. If we want a second wind in God, if we want to get through this thing well. So it's not about expe expe um, expelling excess carbon dioxide and starting, but starting to take in more oxygen. This aerobic energy production, also called aerobic metabolism, and that, transla and that translates into less pain, easier breathing, and a renewed confidence that although you might not have wanted to exercise, Maybe it wasn't such a bad idea after all. You know that idea, the worst part about a run is the 10 minutes before the run. It's like, should I, shouldn't I? And then you start running and it's absolutely hard, wind, hard work. And then what happens is it click, everything clicks in and actually it becomes a joy. And so what they're saying, it's, it's, it's that time when you're not concentrating about expelling carbon dioxide, but actually in, in, inhaling, starting to take in more oxygen. And it translates into less pain, easier breathing, and renewed confidence. Friends, for us to get through this next season, we need to start taking in more of God. And, and, and what will happen is when we get our second, when it'll be less pain, it'll be easier breathing, and it'll be a renewed confidence. Um, and we'll understand that actually this is, wasn't a bad idea at all. Friends, this is the key. This is absolutely key to this time. And I want to encourage you to ask God for a second wind at this time, a second moment. Uh, Derek Watson in our meeting, I was talking to the eldership team about this, and Derek Watson, who is an old school rocker, and, uh, and this was one of the songs that came to mind. It's, it's a song called Second Wind by Petra, the group Petra, and this is some of the lyrics. It goes like this. I've got my second wind, spirits coming again. I've got a new revelation of the King of Kings. I've got my second wind. I feel my strength returning again, returning again. Just when I thought I could run no longer, 
I got my second wind. Just when I thought I wouldn't be any stronger, I got my second wind. Just when I thought I would fall into darkness, I got my second wind. Just, just when I thought I would fail every test, I got my second wind. wind. Friends, we've got to at this time ask God for a second wind. We've got to get through. There is no short way through what we're going. It's going to take character, perseverance, and it's going to take faith. We've got to lock our faith into something that is not in earth, but is in heaven. We've got to put our faith in Jesus and not in the governments of the world and what's happening around us if we want to get through this. But we need a second wind. Friend, don't allow yourself to be dragged down to what's happening in the world. I love Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 from the message. But I want to read verse 12, 2 for you from the message, talking about being dragged down. If we've got a second wind, we're not going to get dragged down. We're not going to allow ourselves to be dragged down. But this is what it says in verse 2 of Romans chapter 12 in the message. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. This is completely self-explanatory. Instead, fix your attention on God. Put your anchor into heaven. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Friends, don't. We need a second wind in this moment. Don't let the culture drag you down into its immaturity. Friends, this is a moment of acceleration to maturity for the church. Don't, let's get a second wind. Let's not get dragged down. So we've got to have a grace to find a second wind. The second thing I want to say is this. We've got to have a grace, and this comes from, from Acts chapter 4. Um, we've got to have a grace to value people over possessions. We've got to have a grace where people are more important than what we possess. And this is what happened. The Spirit of God came upon this group of people and suddenly they started giving to those that were, had need. Their possessions, the people were more important than their possessions. The people at this time have got to be more important than an upgrade of our home. The people at this time have got to be more important than our possessions. In fact, we need to be saying, God, what is it that the people need that I can sell, that I can give away, that I can be radically generous with? Not by law, not by legislation, but by, compelled by the love of God under the Spirit of God at this time. It's an amazing thing that this early church felt such a responsibility for one another that they would literally sell homes and fields to make sure that people were okay. They gave freely to those that were in need. This is not some kind of cons, uh, communism where, where we kind of give the, 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 the have-nots get from the haves. And, and there's no way that you can legislate that. Can I just say, you cannot legislate that in any country, in any space. But you can, by the Spirit of God, pray that He would come on people, that the love of God would compel them, and their natural response to the Spirit of God falling is that people would become more important than possessions. And this is a moment where I believe for, for them, there was a grace to them. When it says the grace of God was over them, was upon them, they had a grace to know that people were more important than possessions. The third thing was this. There's, there was a grace over the story that I've just read to be big at this time and not small. 
can you, do you realize the difference between Barnabas, Ananias, and Sapphira? The difference between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. Barnabas, he was, uh, he was a Levite, and he just gave. He sold and he gave. Big-hearted man, full of faith. And they name him uh, Barnabas, which the, the, the popular the meaning of that name was son of encouragement. So he was not just generous with his, with his money, with his possessions, but he was actually generous with his words. This was a big-hearted man. Compared to Ananias and Sapphira, who also sold some of their stuff. And it seems so unfair, this Ananias and Sapphira story. You really got to read through it and try to understand and grapple with what, that, what, what happened here. So it's like Ananias and Sapphira sold the house for 10 million rand. And they gave 8 million rand to the church and kept 2 million for themselves. And you think, what's wrong with that? Like, surely that's amazing. But we find out here, because Paul goes on to say, did it not all belong to you beforehand and did it not belong to you after? You find out that the issue there was not that they were giving, it's what they were meant to be giving under God. So they decided that they were going to sell that house. And, and it seems like they might have even told the people, we'll sell this and give it to you. The, their crime was not, was not what they didn't give. Their crime was actually what they said they were going to do that they didn't do. And the motive of their heart which actually was wanting to be like Barnabas and get some respect and recognition for being these generous people, but actually they weren't that generous. And so actually in the moment of this, in this early church, when the purity of the fellowship and the purity of the community that was emerging and evolving at the time, actually that, that misdemeanor, that issue of heart just couldn't exist. And God takes them out. Friends, it's an absolutely unbelievable story it actually chills me to the bones when i think of this but this this is a time where we've got to be big friends we cannot be small and smallness looks like hypocrisy smallness looks like wanting to be recognized and thanked by people by people more than being thanked by god friends when we give money it is unto god we don't have to be thanked by people as long we know that God sees, God keeps the accounts. And everybody is grateful for what everybody gives. But friends, we've got to be big at this time. And don't get sucked into smallness and criticalness and, and, and cynicalness. Smallness looks like a lack of faith. Small looks like being petty. A smallness looks like making small things, small issues into big issues and, and fumbling over small things when in actual fact we should be getting through them. That's what smallness. We've got to be big in these days. Small looks like spiritual pride, friends. These guys wanted to think, wanted people to think that they were the spiritual gurus on the block. They wanted to be like, I also want a new name, maybe they thought. Oh, Barnabas got a new name. Actually, maybe we could be getting, getting a new name. They wanted to be, look very spiritual. Friends, and what's frightening, and I look at this, I think, man, this is me and you. When we allow the, impre the impression that we are people of Bible reading and prayer and we're these very spiritual people, but we're actually not, we're being Ananias and Sapphira. When we exaggerate our spiritual accomplishments and effectiveness to appear something that we're not, friends, we're being Ananias and Sapphira. When we have an image of spirituality without the reality of a real spiritual life in God, we're being Ananias and Sapphira. By the grace of God, we still walk on this earth. 
I tell you, friends, God, in this moment of acceleration, is increasing the holiness quotient in his church profoundly. And if we think we're going to live the book of Acts church, maybe we're going to have Ananias and Sapphira dying in our midst. I don't know. That's not my prayer at all. I'm just saying this is what, the early, what happened in the early church. You see, small-heartedness kills the call of God in our lives. Friends, we've got to be big-hearted in this moment. We've got to be big thinking. We've got to be big. We cannot allow ourselves to shrink to what the devil would love us to be. The sp- smallness kills the, spirit, kills the call of God on our lives. Smallness allows the enemy in. Peter has this word of knowledge. He says this, Satan has filled your heart. It's their smallness, friends. The enemy wants to make us small. God wants to make us big. Let's be big thinking. Let's be big hearted. Let's be generous. Let's be these people that have, uh, in the midst of a crisis, have a positive word. Let's be big, friends. Let's not get small. Let's, and the only way we get big is we get in God because God's big. And when we're in God, we stay big. Smallness allows the enemy in. And smallness removes our prophetic edge, friends. It's wonderful. Uh, uh, Barnabas is obviously, um, Joseph is called Barnabas by the apostles. And the, like I said earlier, the popular meaning of, son of, of, of Barnabas is son of encouragement. But what's interesting, the Aramaic meaning of Barnabas is son of prophecy. And I thought, actually, that's what happens. Smallness removes our prophetic edge. That we can't be called sons of prophecy. We'd be called sons of fake spirituality. And friends, God in this moment is wanting to make sure that we've, and we've got to find a grace in God to stay big in these times. The next thing that we've got to find a grace for, number four, is to allow God to let him to father you. In this moment, we've got to allow God to father us, friends. We've allowed God to deal, and if I want to put that in a more direct way, we've got to allow God to deal with our hearts in these moments. You know, friends, we always assume that there's time to repent. I'm thinking about Ananias and Sapphira. We always assume that there's, always, there's, a, there's a time to get this right with God. There's, there's some time. It's okay. We've got time. We've got all our lives. You know what? There's plenty of time to get honest with God. Friends, I, I tell you right now, there's no time like now. There is absolutely no time like we have now. The time that we have now is an undeserved gift from God to put right with him, to put right with others, and to get big in him. And friends, this is the grace gift of God. We cannot wait, friends. We don't know what happens tomorrow. Tomorrow we get knocked over by Pantechnican or something happens. Or friends, I'm not saying we're going to get killed by God tomorrow. But, but friends, we, the time that we have is precious Let's allow God to deal with us now in him. We've got to be graced to be honest with the motive of our hearts. And the reality is the motive of Ananias and Sapphira's hearts were not good. We've got to, friends, you know what? We can, we do so many. He says there, you understand, you didn't lie to me, you lied to God. Friends, we do it. I do it. Yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we, it's amazing. We're going to do this. But actually the motive of our hearts is actually self-promotion. Actually, the motive of our hearts is because we're going to get something back in return. The motive of our hearts is not always pure. We're not always doing it for God. Actually, we're doing it for ourselves. You tell your, your wife, no, I'm going to change. I'm going to be the, the per-. But actually, it's for you. It's not for her. It's not for God. 
the situation squeezes you into something, but actually your motive is not right. Ananias and Sapphira decided that they wanted to receive the same respect as Barnabas and maybe even a name change, but that was their motive. Their motive was not to be generous, and God judges them for that moment, motive, even though they gave a whole lot of money away. Friends, I tell you, we've got, to, we've got to really at this time allow God to refine the motives of our heart. They wanted a perception that they sacrificially gave to the church, but they actually didn't. They wanted an image of great generosity without actually being generous. That was the motive of their heart. We've got to allow God. There's a grace at this time to allow God to deal with our hearts. That we can be all that he's called us to be. In this moment of convergence, in this moment of squeezing, in this moment of acceleration, that's something of what God wants to do in our hearts. Number five, we've got to have a grace to learn new things. I got this from Linda Watson. Linda Watson is on fire at the moment. And she was telling us a story this morning about how she hasn't ridden a bicycle for 30 years. And Derek decided, why don't we go for a go to the bike and be in and get, get some bikes and ride. She says she was absolutely petrified to get on this bike. And she thought, I don't even know if I know how to ride anymore. Anyway, they got the, onto the bike and they slowly and eventually, eventually they went for a ride and had an amazing time. But she was just relaying how she has never, hasn't ridden a bike for 30 years. But actually God wanted to stretch her into more. And God, she felt God dealing with her in this moment. Friends, I want to say to you, this time of acceleration, God wants to teach us new, new things. God wants to take us to new places that we've never been before and we think we can't go before. If we, allow, if we can just surrender ourselves to the flow of God, I believe there will be a grace to learn new things. This, is something, uh, this point is something that, number six, is a grace to be on the right bus for your life. This comes from Helen Bredenkamp. She said this in our prayer meeting as we were talking about this. We, you know, you know the, when I talk about bus, you know in the comrades, there's a, there's a nine-hour bus, a 10-hour bus, 11-hour bus, a 12-hour bus. And a bus is a group of people that is led by somebody that knows what they're doing. And what you do is if you want to run a 10 or 11-hour race, you attach yourself to the 11-hour bus. And then what they do is they coach you through. They know what they're doing. Like you don't know what you're doing, but, but okay, you don't need to worry about the timing. You don't need to worry about the pace. You don't need to worry about when you should walk or not. They tell you when you should do that, when to take in liquids, how to do it. As long as you stay in the bus, they'll get you to the end of the race. And there's got to be a grace in our lives at this time to be in the right bus, friends. If we want to get to the end of this, get into the bus with Jesus and his people. And you know what? There's a different bus for everybody. Nobody's, nobody's gonna, not everybody's going to run a gold. And not, we, we've got different, we've got, some will do nine hours, some will do seven and a half, some will do 10 and some will do 11 and some will do 12. But find the bus in God, in Christ, and get into the bus and allow him to take you through to the finish line at this time. There needs to be a grace on us at this time to, to do that. Lastly, is this. There's got to be a grace to be careful and not fearful. I felt God say this. Again, this is not from the text. This is something that God spoke to me about. Be careful, but don't be fearful. Friends, in this time in COVID, there is the, the numbers are ramping up and there is so much press around different things. And friends, be careful, don't be fearful. 
If you're careful, you don't need to be fearful. And when I say careful in a day, in a moment of COVID, wear your mask, do your thing, do your protocols. Make sure that you're not stupid. But because if you are, if you're not, you will get it. But you don't need to be fearful. Just be careful. And I, I think it applies to all of our lives under God. If we're fearful, fear will paralyze you, friends. And you'll stop doing anything when God actually wants to accelerate you. Fear will make you angry. Fear will make you controlling. Fear will force you into poor decision making. Fear will make you miss the grace that is yours in Christ. At this time, friends, we've got to find a grace not to be fearful, but to rather be careful in God. Be careful to study the scriptures. Be careful to follow the protocols. Be careful to live life. Be careful to make the good decisions in God. Be careful to get onto the right bus with the right people, but don't be fearful. These are some of the things that I believe God wants to grace us with at this time. Let me say this. Let me recap, summarize. A grace for a second wind. A grace to value people more than possessions. A grace to be big and not be squeezed into smallness. A grace to allow God to let him father you. A, a, a grace to allow God to deal with you at this time. A grace to learn new things like Linda did. A grace to be on the right bus for your life, as Helen said. And a grace to be careful and not fearful. Friends, I've trusted this is helpful. Every single one of these moments and these preachers that we're doing, I feel like we're finding God and we're really trying to minister to the point of what God is taking us to, into your hearts and into the community. And I trust that these things will be helpful. Father, I ask you for a grace at this time. I ask you for a grace in all of these things. Father, will you move? Will you, will you enable your church to speak boldly the word of God? Will you stretch out your hand to perform signs, wonders, and miracles? And Lord God, will you, will you favor your church? Will you put a grace on your church to do some of the things that I felt you say in this preach? But Father, in all that we see in the scriptures, Father, will you give us a grace to study and draw strength from the scriptures at this time? Will you give us a strength, Lord God, to learn to worship to the, with the audience of one. Will you give us a grace at this time, Lord God, to become and enjoy the acceleration moment and to, ex, ex, uh, to surrender our hearts to the accelerating purposes of your incredible name. Amen. Bless you. Have a fantastic day and an incredible week. Cheers. 34.